today uh, is actually the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? You know, it's the, uh, the most watched, most televised, not watched or televised, I guess you only televise something once, right? Anyway, most watched uh, program uh, in, in uh, the United States for the whole year, and it is every single year. Now, some of us uh, follow the game. We like the sports. We followed the Chiefs and the 49ers, and we want to see who wins. Uh, some of us really like the halftime shows because that's, that's a thing with all the eyes on it. Everyone's kind of creative, and, and there's all sorts of talk that comes from that. Uh, other people watch the commercials, right? Because there's so many highballs on it, uh, commercials or advertising groups generally put a lot of money and effort into trying to be uh, crazy or creative or stand out in some way, be poignant, you know, and so there's a lot of chatter about that. Uh, this year, some people might be trying to see Taylor Swift, who's dating one of the players. Yeah, again, if you don't know who Taylor Swift is, um, I don't know, go online. I don't, you know, I don't know, it's like she's everywhere, right? Um, or, or most of us are going to watch the game because that's just what you do, right? Like everyone else is doing it. I need to at least make sure I know what they're talking about when they're talking to me about all these various things, you know, tomorrow or, or through the days. Uh, what's fun is that you can kind of pick, even if you aren't a football fan or a sports fan, you can kind of pick which team you want to root for. And for the day, you get to be one of those fans. So you need to pick the 49ers or the wrong team, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You can root for the Chiefs, you know, only if you were born in Kansas or Missouri or something. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing you guys. No, but uh, sports fans are actually pretty territorial about their fandom, right? You know, like diehard fans will be like, you can't call yourself a 49ers fan for the day, right? Because you weren't there when things were bad, you know, like Broncos fans, you know, and they were like, look, we're making it through this whole decade here. So like when we come out on top, you can't just join in. Like there's a name for that, right? It's a bandwagon fan, a fair weather fan, you know, that, that just shows out for the championship parade, but they kind of disappear. They weren't wearing any sort of the gear, you know, back when you had like losing season after losing season after losing season for eight years in a row um, for the Broncos. <laughs> not, that, not, not that we're counting. Hey, the Nuggets were really good, right? You know, but you know, you know those people, right? They like, they'll, they'll come to work or they'll wear like the championship gear and they're like, you've never said you're a Nuggets fan ever. You know, like, oh yeah, no, big, big Nuggets fan. You're like, oh, okay, whatever, right? Um, today, uh, bigger than the Super Bowl is actually week six of the Identity Series um, that we're going to be preaching on. Um, and this is the day when our bandwagon identities get exposed, Right? Where, where we're going to ask the question, we've asked questions this entire series, right? Where we've said, uh, who am I? Right? What if I'm not perfect? Uh, do I belong? Am I loved? Am I significant? You know, and today we're going to be taking a look uh, kind of where the rubber hits the road. Oh, I, I should turn this on before so that like I can really get that, that dramatic timing. Uh, the question we're asking today is what if things go wrong? Right? Like what if we have a losing season in life? Uh, which identity stays and which identities kind of run away. Like, wh- like we're influenced by a lot of different things. You know, like sports teams, right? It's a pretty superficial uh, identity, probably for most of us. I mean, it's okay if it gets a little deeper, right? Um, but d- different things, you know, like what kind of like fashion or what kind of hobbies you do. There, there's like these superficial things where if life gets rocked, right? Things go really bad. Uh, those kind of float away. You aren't looking to those things to provide you with who am I, what I need to do next. Um, when your world gets turned upside down, what you really need is to know like what are my priorities, right? Like what's important in this moment? Uh, kind of where am I? And then what are those steps that I have to take? What's like the, what's the next thing? that I have to do. Um, your core identity will tell you what those things are. Uh, so you, you pick your core identity now and you can have it and then when things get rocked, that's the thing that can keep you steady. Um, you know, we've had a, co- a couple snowstorms these past couple weekends. You know, it seems like every Friday, you know, we like order up another snow, right? Um, and it, it just reminds, I think, a lot of us that, you know, driving in the snow is a little different, you know, or can be a little different. I, I know, I know. 
uh, just go a little slower on the turns. Um, but have you ever driven in like a, a real bad storm? You know, where, where like, like blizzard, you know, and it's coming down. Like there was this one time that Sherry and I, we went to this, um, we did like a little retreat. I can't remember, we were celebrating my birthday or the end of the seminary semester or something like that. Uh, we were up in Fairplay and we went and ate in, in like Buena Vista. And it's like a 30 minute drive back. Well, while we were eating, uh, like snow started coming down and, and like started coming down, you know? And, and so we start driving, you know, and, and, and we're like on these country roads, you know, one lane both ways, you know, and it gets to the point where you're kind of like, you know, the wipers are going, it doesn't matter, you know, because it's just solid outside, you know? And so you're going slow and you get to that point where you're like, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, I can't wait. Like, what if I get stuck? You know, I, there is a hotel waiting for me on the other end. I just need to get far enough, you know? And so you're, you're like, you can just see the little white line, you know, on the, on the right side. You're like, okay, stay there, stay there. And there's the, the dotted line coming down the middle. And you're like, as long as I stay in between those two lines, I think I'll be okay. You know, and you're going real slow, but you got to keep going, right? It's, it's, I paid incredible attention to those lines and the dotted line. They're there all the time. I drive within those boundaries all the time in my life, right? I never pay attention to them because there's all sorts of other things. There's lights, there's cars, there's the place I'm going to, right? Like that's like your core identity. It's always there guiding you. Maybe you're not paying attention, but when, when push comes to shove, when the blizzard comes, the storm comes in your life, you need it because you can't see anything else, right? So, so it's like, well, all I have is just this next step. Okay, and there's the next line. Great, oh, we're too far over, you know, and now we're gonna stay here. Like, that's what we need from a core identity. Like, we need to have an identity that can give us direction when we can't see a thing, when the blizzard's there, right? When, when we have nothing else to go off of, we need something that can tell us, this is what's important, here's where you are, and here's the step you need to go. Um, and so, like, when you guys are sharing all your stories, um, life is hard, you know, we were talking about this before um, in our, our prayer meeting just before the service. Um, we have a plan and, and what we're, where we want to go with life, but that plan only exists in our head, right? Like that's not reality. Reality is uh, unexpected and sometimes undesired uh, outcomes. Always, all of us, th- like this is what life is. It is broken, right? It's not whole. Okay, well then what do we do? We need an identity, or I'm, I'm at least arguing, we need an identity that can help us right? When our plans aren't happening or when we're not doing what we want or things have happened to us that we didn't ask for. Okay, well then what do we do next? Can our identity we've been presenting about being loved by God, can it hold up? That's what we're going to be exploring today. Um, When I was a kid in elementary school, we'd always do um, a musical like for our parents, you know, and and so every every day music class, you'd like learn the songs, you get different parts. Um, I remember some of them, my parents bought some VHS te- tapes of some of them, and the one they bought of one of my sisters was called How the West Was Won. And it was all about, you know, the westward expansion of America and blah, blah, blah I don't know. Like they found uh, like silver in Colorado. I think that was in one of the places. I was in Texas at the time, so like Colorado was just like some dreamland to me, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, still is, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, but I remember one of the lyrics to the songs, it said, the only thing that doesn't change is change. You know, and it's like, it's because all, all of us kids, you know, see, we're pretty wise. We want to teach our parents that, look, you can't hold on to the present. You've got to be able to adapt and change with the world as it goes, right? You know, it's like we didn't even know what we were saying. But that, that's true, right? Change is always happening. Uh, there's nothing really in the world that you can say, well, this I know for a fact will stay put. I mean, even the continents, right? You know, we're studying that, like those are moving, you know, <laughs> like over time. It's like nothing is sta- stayed firm, uh, which is the backdrop to what we read in the Bible about who God is. 
because we see something very different about what God is. This is um, Psalm 102 um, at the end, 25 through 27. Oh, I'll just hit it once this time. Uh, In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Uh, this is Psalm 102. Uh, what's awesome, if you, if you have a Bible, go, go read the very beginning of the psalm before the like, psalm part, like the poetry starts. Uh, there's a subtitle. Uh, not all psalms have it. Some psalms do, though. This is what the subtitle says. It says, a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. Like that's in, that's in the Hebrew. Like that's the title of the psalm. Like they knew the question, what happens when things go wrong, Right? And so, so there's this lament all the beginning, and then at the end, it's like, okay, Lord, you're the one who made everything, and everything itself is like clothes, we'll change them, they're discarded, but you remain the same. You know, there's um, a key uh, characteristic of God that theologians like to talk about. Uh, if you want to show off at Bible study, it's called immutability. So the inability to change, like God is immutable. Who he is today is who he always was and who he always will be. So God is immutable, uh, meaning different than anything else that he has created, right? And so when we talk about having an identity that is rooted in God's love for us, we can have confidence that that love for us, who God is, his character remains the same, always has, always will be, right? So, so God won't wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm sick and tired of these people. I'm not going to love them anymore. You know, like he's not going to give up or say like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today, right? He's not like humans who are fickle. We do move. We, you, you can't really rely on humans, but you can rely on God. In fact, he is different. What this psalm is saying is he's the creator, right? We say in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands, They perish, but you remain. There's a difference between the creator and the creation, right? But the things that can change and the thing that will always remain unchanged, right? The people that move and you can't count on and the one who you can only and always count on. That's who our God is. The Bible presents God as something completely different than anything we ever know, than anything we know, right? Like even like, well, you know that, you know, the sun will rise, the moon will set. No, 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 God's even over that. You know, like even if something were to happen to those things, God still remains, right? The Bible presents God as the only immovable, solid rock on which we can build our entire lives. That's who our God is. So is he strong enough? He's, he's the only thing strong enough. Uh, here, here's another psalm. Uh, it's, this is 59. This one has a subtitle as well. Uh, this is when David uh, was kind of complaining to God. Why? Well, because there's people waiting outside to kill him as soon as he leaves his house, right? Things are not going as planned for David. Uh, He he lays out uh, what he's feeling at the beginning, and then here's the very end of the psalm. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. This is the truth of who our God is. It's his strength, he's a fortress, but he's gonna sing of his love, right? The identity, it's, it's God loves us. He's not just a strong man that we can hire to help us you know, take care of our bullies. No, he loves us like a father, like a perfect father would love us and carry us. And that's from, from the beginning to the end, right? That's never changed. He has always loved us. He always will love us. Therefore, we can rely on that. There's nothing that we have 
and earth that comes anywhere close to this. You can have an identity in anything else, in your job, in your relationships, um, I don't know, in your, your gender, sexuality, politics, all these hot button topics. None of them, none of them offer this kind of strength, this kind of foundation. The only, only place, the only place it could be found is in the creator. If there, was, if there was something that couldn't change, well, that's God and his immutability. So God is the only line that can hold you. Uh, when I was back in Wisconsin, uh, just this past time over New Year's, uh, we went to an indoor theme park uh, called Urban Air. It was really fun. Uh, they crammed a whole bunch of fun little games, kind of like boondocks if you've been down here, uh, into one little location. Well, they had uh, several different attractions. We, we had bought like a Groupon, you know, and all the cousins went and they were going. Um, and and they, they're like, oh, half off for adults if you pay with a child. I'm like, oh, no, I'm too cool for that, right? But then I saw my, my brothers-in-law doing it. I was like, all right, cool, I'm in. You know, and, and so I'm out here like trying to like have fun with these games. They had one game, one game, one attraction that really intrigued me. Uh, it was a zip line that went around the entire roof, uh, the, the whole like ceiling of this entire place. And so they, they had like several platforms throughout and, and you hold on to this thing, you kind of run out and then you jump off the cliff and you hold on and then there's no net underneath you and, and you're just like dangling, right? And you go to the next platform and then you have to like climb up a few stairs and then you do it again and there's like four of them. And so you go all around. I was like, oh, that is so cool. And so I convinced one of my kids to go with me. Uh, it was kind of a long line, right? I get to the, the, the end. I'm like, hey, is there any like weight limit on this? You know, and they're like, no, you're good. I was like, okay, like, what about height limit? Like, I want to, like, kick someone's head, you know, if, like, my feet are dangling. They're like, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. So great, right? Uh, and so then I was just going to run off and jump. But the reason it's safe is because I'm not just holding on, right? If I were to let go, I don't go splat, I don't fall on top of people. No, I have a harness holding me in, and they test it. They literally say, like, here's, here's a hole right in the first platform. Step in that real quick, sir, and let me make, yep, you're good. Yep, you're fine. No weight limit, right? Like, your, your, your weight holds. Because what you need, right, is if you're going to run off of a platform and there's going to be no floor beneath you, you need to know that if things go wrong, something's going to hold you, you know? You're, you're going to be carried to that next platform. That is what we have in God, right? We're like, whether it's by adventure, whether we're just having a good time with our life, or it's unexpected, right? And the, 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 the foothold that we have is just crumbling away beneath you. You need to know that your identity is strong enough to hold you. That now, there's nothing that is strong enough to hold you except for God, because he is a rock who loves you forever, will not change. Anything else might crumble with you, right? And so you ever have those dreams where it's like you're falling and you need something. You know, sometimes we feel that way in life. When things go wrong, we can become overwhelmed with our emotions or with stress or with anxiety. And what we need is something to hold us and to take us to the next platform. We, okay, at least I've got my feet and now we'll move forward. But you have to be in. You've got to be connected to the only line that can hold you. That is God. Okay, some of you... Um, know this. Most of us know this, right? If you grew up in the church, right? Like, who's the only one you can count on in life? God. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly, right? Or you're a little kid, right? You know, Jesus preached this in the Sermon on the Mount. His conclusion was there's the wise and the foolish builders, right? The wise man is a person who puts into practice what Jesus preaches. He's like the man who built himself or his house on a solid rock, right? When the rains came and the storms come and, and everyone else's house you know, gets washed away, but the man who builds his house on the solid rock, on Jesus, on his teachings, on his obedience, they get to stand, right? I mean, we know this. Um, but, but I think some of us uh, aren't satisfied with this, right? Like, because we say, but I want it to be made better. Like, God, like, 
cool, thank you. Love that you're holding me. Make, can you make it better though? Right? Like, like here, I mean, seriously, right? When we're praying, we're asking God, can you change the circumstances? Right? Like, like yes, life isn't perfect. Things have gone wrong. Lord, can you make them right? You know, can you, can you fix it? Or if not, because a lot of circumstances have happened in the past, and, and I tried to rack my brain. I, I don't have any examples of God using time travel yet as an answer to prayer. So it's like, it's, it feels like things that have happened to us have happened. And so then we ask God, can you change my feelings? Right? Like, can you help me not be so overwhelmed with this? Right? With grief or sadness, loneliness, stress, anxiety, whatever it is. And so we want God, okay, if you, if you can't change my circumstances, can you at least change my emotions? Help me get through this. And we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm holding. It's not happening, right? Because it feels like God's answer is a longer-term answer. It feels like every answer, right, to find any sort of healing is a long-term answer. And here's where, uh, you know, unhealthy coping mechanisms come in, right, where you have alcohol and drugs and you have gambling and you have shopping and socializing and, and work and travel or whatever you want to do to fill up that hole inside of you to make you feel better uh, really just is burying your feelings, right? Like you're not actually making anything better. You're just forgetting about it, right? You're numbing yourself. Uh, this is what humans do because we don't like not feeling good. We don't like living in brokenness. We're not meant to live in brokenness. I mean, the problem with all those unhealthy coping mechanisms is that they won't, they won't make you better. You know, making you better is a much longer-term project. But that is exactly where God is taking you. Ultimately, we talked about this last week, Revelation 21 and 22, God has a purpose, has a plan. He's moving history in a certain direction to a perfect world, right? The city with the garden and the, the trees with the fruit, that's for the healing of the nations, to bring everything back, to restore everything from the brokenness to wholeness, that's where God is going. He is going to make it better. You know, and some of you are like, I, I know, but man, that feels a, a long way away. You know, like I'm not there, you know? And so this rocks people's faith. You know people, I know people, maybe it's you, you know, where it's taking too long. I, I've, I've read Psalm 59 and 102 and I've prayed and I've gone to church and I'm holding on. It's just like, it's not better. Like, I, I can't, Ah, I'm losing my grip, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you, it's like, you know, you're going on that little ride, and you're out there in the, in the middle, and you're like, I, but I'm, I'm not moving, I'm stuck, and now I can't hold on, and I don't know if the harness is, is attached properly. That's where some of our faith ends up losing it, right, or we, we get these doubts, we kind of stray, because we say, like, I've known people that have lost their faith, because they've gone through a difficult time, that they felt like God wasn't there for them. This is where uh, Romans chapter 8 can help us. Um, there's an excellent portion on suffering. My NIV title say, Present Suffering and Future Glory is the name of this section. This is Romans 8, 18. Uh, we'll go to 30, but we'll kind of pause as we go through. This is Paul writing to Romans. Uh, Christians he's never met. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So what he's saying, he's given perspective, right? What you're going through right now, the brokenness, the things going wrong, like that's nothing compared to how perfect it's going to be in the future. So, so you can already tell what he's going to say is just, just hold on, right? Like, like I know it seems like a big deal now. Just keep going because it gets better. 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So all of that is Paul essentially saying like, look, the whole world is broken. Like it's not just you. 
It's not just you and your neighbors. Like, like the whole world, all of creation is broken. And, and it's just hoping, right? He's personifying creation, saying like, oh, I can't wait until God brings everything back, redeems these people so that then I can be made whole again. All things can be made new, right? He's essentially saying, you're not alone in your brokenness. This is the world that you live in. This is right, like, your perspective isn't just wrong. You're not just a Debbie Downer and like, oh, this is hard. It's like, no, it actually is. It actually is hard and broken, not perfect. 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So he's saying, you too, right? So all of creation's like, ah, oh, I just want to be made whole. So are you, so are you. Like Paul's like, I get it. And look, you can even have the first fruits of the Spirit. You can even be seeing little things where God has been worked in your life and you can still feel like I'm groaning as in childbirth, right? And look, I've never had a kid, never really want to, uh, but I've been there, been there for three of them, right? You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, uh, you can't stay there. You know, it's tough. It's difficult. You know, I mean, it, it can't even say it's painful, right? I mean, that's even an understatement. But it's, it's meant to be a temporary thing that is, that, okay, well, I've just got to get through this one way or the other. We got to get, it's like, that's where we are. And, that, and that's where you're supposed to be. Well, at least right now, but eventually we'll get to the end, right? 24, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul's saying, look, I know it's tough. I know it's bad. I know you just need to get through this. Eventually you will, and it will be good. So hold on to that. That is our hope. You know, you don't have it right now. I know it. It's tough right now. It's broken right now. Even if you see little glimmers of like, well, that's good. It's like it's still tough. Hold on to it, right? That's what Paul's saying. So a very... Uh, we like to see our, our, the context of the Bible in a community, right? In, in, in like family, like us together and then us outward. If people are going through a tough time, if they're saying uh, things are broken, it is very viable, biblical for you to say, well, hold on, hold on. It gets better. I know it's tough. God knows it's tough. Hold on, hold on. But still, what about now? <laughs> you know, right? You know, it's like I can't, like my, my fingers are, are slipping, you know? Love this. Very next line. Like Paul ha anticipates this. He know, like he's saying, big picture, big picture, right? Everything's going to be made new so you can get through whatever you're getting through now. I don't know what it is. Even if it's childbirth, you can get through it, right? It says in 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? So weakness, this isn't our, our future state. This is right now. Our, our fingers are losing its grip, right? Your weakness right now, the Spirit. The Spirit is there helping you. He's present in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So what he's saying is like, hey, when you're barely losing your grip, don't worry, you have your harness on. The Spirit is with you, holding you, right? Like, like you don't even know what to pray, right? You're in the blizzard. You can't even see where you're going. Don't worry, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is there guiding you, right? It says, uh, one, that it'll pray, intercede for us through wordless groans. And then that next verse, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God, saying that you can trust this harness. You can trust the Spirit's guidance because he is perfectly in line with God's will. 
right? He's, he's perfectly leading you toward where you have to go. You don't have to worry. And what I love this is that it's in line, in accordance with the will of God. God has a will. God has a purpose, right? We're not just holding on to a rope that's just dangling over some abyss that we might slip into. No, we're on a zip line that's moving, right? We're on a road that's going somewhere. So even if you can't see where you're going, even if you don't have the strength to hold on, the Spirit himself will carry you, will move you, because there is a purpose. We talked about it last week. God has a purpose moving everything toward ultimate healing and coming together in him and having flourishing and having life, and he's working that in your life as well. And then comes the famous verse that you guys probably have memorized or probably use all the time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, we like to maybe toss this one around and just kind of, oh yeah, and God works for our good. No, no, no. It's coming out of this context of deep pain and, and a recognition of our suffering and our weakness. And this is the purpose. This is where we're going on the zip line, right? The Holy Spirit is interceding according to the will of God. What's the will of God? That he would work for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? His, his love for us, his restoration of all things. We can trust the harness that we have if we are attached in him, in this identity that says, I am loved by God. He's not gonna just leave us where we're He's gonna take us through this. And then it ends. Uh, this section ends. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is a, this is a verse maybe you've heard. Uh, we study it in seminary to try to figure out, well, what exactly is the process of salvation, you know, and, 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 and what is predestination and who's predestined and who's not. No, no, no. The context that this is in, this is the reason why you can trust God. Because from the very beginning of time, he had this purpose for you. And look, it's spelled out in all these different ways. When Jesus came and died for your sin and justified you and, and he's promised that you will become sons and daughters of him and ultimately he's gonna glorify you. What, what Paul is saying is that God doesn't change. His purpose doesn't change. He's immutable, right? His love for you is rock steady. The only thing that is that can exist throughout the entire um, existence that you will experience here on this planet Therefore, you can hold on to him. This is a reason for us to trust that God will be good for us when we're in our weakness and we don't know what to pray and we're lost and we're struggling, right? That's, that's what this text is saying. It's not, um, it's not quite so frou-frou, you know, kind of like uh, all things work out in the end, so if things aren't working out, it's not the end. You know, it's like, well, that's not, that's not what Paul's saying here. He's recognizing like, the world's tough. It's broken. You're going through things or someone's going through, through things in, in this church that I'm writing this, but you can trust that the spirit, God's presence will be with you, taking you where you need to go and you'll land on the next platform and at least have your feet and at least move forward. This is what we need from an identity and we can only find it in God. Uh, we, now, I mean, there's a whole can of, uh, not worms, um, it's a whole ecosystem, right? It's not just the worms, it's the soil and everything about suffering, right? Like what, what does suffering mean? Um, we aren't, we aren't going to jump there, at least not this Sunday, but I want us to understand we're the ones that are, are shy to experience suffering. suffering. You know, like, like we, we're the ones that don't like suffering, right? God's fine with it, <laughs> you know? Like, like we're the ones that, that try to run away and avoid it. Um, God doesn't. And if you look through the Bible at all of our faith heroes, you know, all the Bible stories we have, numerous times people suffer for 
a good purpose of God. And through that, God works his will and works his purpose. So I want us to know, if you are going through suffering and you're holding on and you're slipping, God won't just get you through it. He's going to use it for his purpose. (laughs) And his purposes are good because he loves you. Always has and always will. Uh, This sermon, this whole sermon series about where your identity is, is kind of like a like a fire drill. You ever done one of those, like at school or at, at your work? It's always so awkward at work where everyone's like taking their laptops. They're like, well, I've got to get this done, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like you don't ever want there to be a fire, but you want to be prepared in case there is one. Um, we absolutely are going to go through tough times, right? I mean, we, we heard stories. These are real, real stories, right? We're not, n- none of this is people are making things up, right? You're going through a tough time now or someone else is. That's just the reality of it. And we, as Christians, need to be prepared. Maybe it's not just for us. Maybe it's for the person next to you. Maybe it's in the discussion. There's gonna be someone right next to you that needs to be encouraged in this. Who are you holding on to? What's your line when you feel like, ah, I'm losing my grip? How can you trust that the Holy Spirit will hold you and will carry you forward? He's the only place, the only identity that we can have confidence that we will get back on our feet and will keep us taking the right next step forward. Every other identity, you will crash and fall and you'll have more pieces to pick up. But God says, I love you and he will carry you, not just through, but he'll use whatever you're going through. You can trust in him. Uh, Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that we can rely on it. I thank you that you are strong, you're our fortress, you're our refuge. I thank you for how you've shown that in so many people's lives, Lord. I thank you that you've proven yourself to be real. I thank you um, that you don't give up on us even with our doubts. I pray that you'd hold us close. I pray that your spirit would be close to us. I pray that we would feel you guiding us. I pray that we would sense the motion that you're taking us on and not just leaving us where we are to endure it, but you're actually moving us through and using the thing uh, or the things that we're going through, Lord. I pray that we would hold on to you uh, evermore as we recognize you're holding on to us uh, so tightly. Be our rock, Lord. Uh, Be our guide. Be our core identity um, and keep us moving forward toward your purpose no matter what we're going through. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Uh, Now this morning we're going to take communion. but I just want to give you an opportunity. So uh, normally we grab communion, go back to our seats, and then we all take it together. If you want uh, to be just you and God, um, and just to say, look, God, I want to hold you. I need to hold you. I need to feel you stronger. You know, or you need, just need special time with him uh, in communion. Um, instead of going back to your seat, uh, maybe just stand over here where, where everyone else is behind you and maybe up front, but we'll be doing things over here. Be on your knees, be, be standing, and just pray. You know, and just let it be you and God saying, Lord, I want to hold on to you. Can you hold on to me? You know, like, can you help me get through this? Or if you want to recommit and say, God, keep me. You know, like, I I want to solidify myself. If you need that time with God, let's just create this little dark corner over here as your space. um, And everyone else, we can sit down and we'll take the elements together. Um, But what I want us to reflect on is the fact that communion recognizes that God uses suffering for his good and purposes. Because when Jesus came, he died on the cross, and it says he suffered and died. Now, it wasn't a quick death. Uh, God didn't uh, win our salvation, didn't justify us, didn't make us holy and pure uh, simply by snapping his fingers, but Jesus suffered on our behalf. God does use suffering 
for good purposes. So as we participate and remember Christ's suffering for us, may we also say, Lord, can you do the same thing with my suffering? Can you redeem this? Can you make this good for your purposes? And so when we take these elements, we're saying, yes, I receive this. I want to be a part of your plan, your process, even as it goes all the way through suffering. So come on, come on down. Uh, we'll take the elements, and you can either be over here or in your seats. I'll come back up, and then we'll all take them together. Here we are in our brokenness, reflecting on Jesus and his brokenness, made whole through his death on the cross and his resurrection by God's power. Uh, when we take these elements, uh, we're saying, Lord, I want to participate with you in your brokenness, but also in your restoration and in your resurrection. So here's the story of how it went down the last night when he was eating with his disciples. Um, after uh, he'd given, taken the bread and given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant which is in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in doing this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes once again. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me? Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for demonstrating that love on the cross to us. Thank you for being strong enough. Thank you for committing to loving us, to being faithful, to moving us toward a purpose. Thank you for not wasting any of our experiences or any of our suffering, Lord. We willingly choose to participate with you. We want to know you in your death, but also in the power of your resurrection. Lord, be with us. Solidify who we are in you. Uh, may this be our identity that we pay attention to, and even when we're not paying attention to it, it is constantly guiding us toward you and toward our purpose that you have for us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the life that you give us. And in your name we pray, amen. All right. Uh, we have time. Uh, feel free if you want to stay and uh, pray uh, before God you can, but we do have some discussion questions as well. Um, gather around the little uh, tables that we have in rows. Uh, find someone that you didn't come here with. Uh, we've got three questions. The first one is, uh, when has your faith been tested? Uh, if someone's story kind of moved you or, or you're like, oh, tell me more about that, let this be an opportunity to, to have them share a little bit more, uh, more details about their story and where, where did their faith uh, carry them through a tough time. Uh, two, how does God want you to move forward during tough times? Uh, so again, if you, if you talk more in practical sense, like fire drill sense, like where is the closest you know, emergency exit or something. You know, like, what does God actually want you to do when times are tough? Uh, then three and four are similar. What does giving up on God look like, and what does trusting in Him look like? Uh, so discuss these. I'll come back up in about seven minutes, and then we'll dismiss.